From the heart of the Midwest in Bloomington, Indiana, welcome to One More Cold Call, an Indiana University Maurer School of Law alumni podcast. Each week, over a casual cup of coffee, Dean Parrish meets with accomplished alumni from around the world and from all walks of life. Over a season of episodes, we hear from law school alumni who have unique stories to tell about the unfolding of their professional lives and the lessons they've learned along the way. We start each podcast off with a little bit of Indiana University Maurer School Law trivia and history. Did you know that each year the law school recognizes alumni with its Distinguished Service Award? The Distinguished Service Award was established in 1997 to recognize graduates of the Indiana University Bloomington Maurer School of Law who've done so much in service to their communities and the school in ways that far exceed traditional business, professional, and civic duties. Each fall, we hold a celebration before the entire first-year class recognizing our new honorees. Now you know. Today, I get to welcome three fabulous alums to the podcast who have all done a tremendous amount of public service, John Tinder, Jeff Richardson, and Fred Logan. These brief introductions are very truncated. John, Jeff, and Fred are included in our Maurer Law Digital Repository under the Notable Alumni tab, and I would encourage you to read more there. Fred is a 1977 graduate of law school where he graduated cum laude. After graduation, he returned to Kansas City, where he started his own law firm with his brother. Ranked as an AV preeminent lawyer by Martindale Hubble, Fred has been listed multiple years in Best Lawyers for America and was named a charter member and master of the bench of the early O'Connor Inn of Court. His contributions to Kansas City have been extraordinary. To name just a few, he served on the boards of the Art Council of Metropolitan Kansas City, the Johnson County Community College Foundation, and the Greater Kansas City Community Foundation. From 2011 to 2015, he was a member of the Kansas Board of Regents, serving as chair in 2013 to 2014. From 1987 to 1989, he served as the chair of the Kansas Republican Party, the second youngest state party chair in the country at that time. Fred has received numerous awards and honors for both his professional service and his volunteer activities. In 2009, we recognized Fred with our own Distinguished Alumni Service Award. Jeff, too, is a 1977 graduate from the law school. Jeff holds the distinction of being the first full-time student elected to the Bloomington City Council, serving while in law school and getting his master's in SPIA. After graduation, Jeff's remarkable career focused on ensuring the provision of social and health services to those most in need. He began at Eli Lilly and then served in a wide range of capacities, including as commissioner of the Indiana Department of Human Services, secretary of the 13,000-person Indiana Family and Social Services Administration, executive director of Gay Men's Health Crisis, the nation's largest HIV AIDS organization, and as managing director of Burston Marstella. Jeff then joined the Abbott Fund as the first person to oversee its international givings program, initially focused on HIV and AIDS. When Abbott split into two companies in 2012, Abbott and AbbV, Jeff joined the AbbV Foundation as vice president of its international giving programs. The global HIV AIDS and health systems programs that Jeff created at the Abbott Fund and continued in part at AbbV have served more than 10 million people with an investment of more than $350 million. He remains active on various global health boards, including AMPATH, the IU School of Medicine Kenya Program Development Board, a grantee of both Abbott and MB. His connections to IU are deep. All three of his degrees, JD, MPA, and BA, are all from IU. As an undergraduate, he was elected president of Indiana University Student Government, helped lead efforts to establish the Student Legal Services Program, fought for tennis people with disabilities and human rights, advocated for increased engagement of students in the university's decision-making process, had a column in the IDS, and served on a variety of committees, including the IU Athletic Committee, where he led the effort to elevate soccer to a varsity sport. While in law school, besides being in, on the city council, Jeff interned at the Monroe County Probation Office and the Monroe County Prosecutor's Office, where it led the effort to open the local region's first youth shelter, resulting in dramatically reducing children put in the county jail. He's received many awards for his work, including a Sagamore of the Wabash and the overall IU Distinguished Alumni Award. He also received Distinguished Alumni Awards from all three schools he attended, the law school, SPIA, and arts and sciences. In addition, he has been recognized as an IU LGBTQ plus distinguished alum and student recreational sports distinguished alum. Jeff was inducted to our Academy of Law Alumni Fellows in 2010. Finally, John, who is a 1975 graduate of the law school, has also had a remarkable career filled with public service. He's done it all. His distinguished career includes work in private practice, 
as a public defender in Marion County, as chief trial deputy for the Marion County Prosecutor's Office, two stints at the U.S. Attorney's Office, first as an assistant U.S. attorney, and then as its leader, and as a U.S. District Court judge for the Southern District of Indiana, and finally as a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. As a judge, John was deeply respected and admired among attorneys and his colleagues on the bench. He served 20 years on the district court and then served on the Seventh Circuit with distinction from 2007 through 2015. As a judge, he authored over 1,000 opinions. Of 153 reported district court opinions that were reported, the Seventh Circuit only reversed three, a remarkable statistic. John was inducted into law school's Academy of Law Alumni Fellows in 2007, the highest honor we can bestow upon one of our graduates. Well, I got to get working. I got a lot to do in the next couple of years to catch up with you guys. Uh, Fred, Jeff, and John, thank you so much this morning for joining us on One More Cold Call. Thank you. Pleasure. Well, this is the first time we've done this podcast with three people, and I'm excited about this, uh, in part because we're going to get to talk about great ways that people can give back to the community and use a law degree to do that. So let's jump right in. Um, you know, one of the things I think that's remarkable at the law school in Bloomington is how students here make friendships that last a lifetime. Um, you've known each other and have been good friends for over four decades. How did you meet? You've lived in DC and Kansas and India, Indiana. How, how did you keep in touch? Uh, hey, Fred, could I start with you on this one? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that's, that's appropriate. I, I need to do something very bold here. I'm gonna correct you though. It's not 40 years, it's 50 years. We've been friends now, uh, very close friends. Here's how, it, here's how it came about, and it fits in with what we're talking about. I was invited to attend a fraternity event and when I was an undergrad at IU, and there were two guys who were speaking uh, named John Tinder and Jeff Richardson. And I was just so astonished because during their presentations, they didn't give you the usual palaver. They talked about service. They talked about service at Indiana University in student government and in, in various kinds of university activities. And they talked about public service, serving the public. And I knew instantly I'd found a home. And um, I'm happy to say that even though we've lived in very far flung locations, I came back and practiced law in Kansas. Uh, John's been in the Hoosier State, Jeff in Washington DC and New York. We've remained very close friends through all of these years. And we were close friends in law school as well. And so we had that experience together and that's, that's also helped inform what we do. But just the way we met, when, we, when I heard them talking about that, all three of us, I think in very, very different ways have focused on serving the public in some manner in our careers. And it's really, I, I look back at my time at IU Law School, it really prepared me well to do the, to do the law, but also to serve the public in different ways. I've got to ask uh, John and Jeff, any corrections on how you met? I, I know you guys give each other a hard time, so I should give you <laughs> well, a opportunity. No, I, I, uh, Fred has accurately reported it, uh, but the, uh, the next phase of it was, of course, Jeff recruited both of us into student government and got us involved in various projects. And then Fred and I teamed up to lobby the legislature on certain matters. And uh, one thing led to another. And over the years, uh, guys, there hasn't been a wedding or a, a roast or a, a, an award program or funerals that, that we have, have missed. We've uh, uh, just had uh, a close relationship that uh, spans the decades and it's been great. Yeah, I, yeah, I would just quickly add, um, besides uh, both John and Fred being involved with uh, student government, student body <coughs> treasurers, um, John was the first student, first full-time student ever uh, elected to a, a board uh, in, at the city. He was on the parks board. And uh, in the scheme of things now, it sounds, well, that's pretty routine. But back then, uh, students were not really fully engaged, well, not even at the university. That took some time to get them more uh, to lift up their voices but uh, to do that in the city as well. And John was, um, was a great fit for that board and it, it worked out very well. I, I should also say that um, John was the one who uh, encouraged me when uh, the good people of Indiana elected their first democratic governor uh, uh, way back when, when Evan Bayh was elected uh, in 88 and he started putting his administration together. 
And John said, um, there's not a lot of bench, bench strength uh, with the Democrats being out of power for 20 years. You should throw your hat in the ring. And uh, I did. And of course, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Dean, I was um, able to uh, uh, get a position uh, both at the Department of Human Services and later Family and Social Services Administration. But the final thing I would say just quickly is one thing that's been great about our relationship besides having a lot of common interests um, we have great discussions and great debates, and I'm a big, uh, I forward a lot of articles and I call uh, my buddies up here, John and Fred, and I test things out with them because I feel um, uh, there's a hero of all of ours, Richard Luger, and you know, they're very smart, they're very analytical, they're very thoughtful, and they're very measured, and so I, I kind of send things uh, their way sometimes under the guise of just having a discussion, but it's actually helping me uh, formulate my own positions, my own opinions, and I think making me a better advocate for the issues that I believe in. Our listeners can't see, but everybody's nodding vigorously when they say you send a lot of emails. I, you know, I've been in Bloomington now for, well, it's been over eight years. And that's one thing that's really struck me uh, is just how close-knit this community is. And and uh, I quite, it's not uncommon for me to run into alumni who tell me, They've been coming back for 10 or 20 or 30 or 40, maybe not 50 years uh, with friends. Now, I have to say they're more likely to be stopping by Nick's than they are the law school. But uh, uh, but they have these groups of friends that come back and make a point of it. And uh, you guys really are trailblazers in that way. You know, maybe you're looking back at your time in Bloomington, the 1970s. What, what stood out most about your experience? Are there uh, are there law professors or particular experiences of the law school that stood out or that you particularly remember? Uh, John, uh, does anything stand out in your mind? Oh, gosh, uh, I certainly remember the vivid personalities of a certain law faculty, uh, Harry Pratter, uh, uh, Tom Shornhorse, Pat Bode, um, Reed Dickerson, um, Roger Dworkin. These were giants, and uh, we all were a little intimidated by them, And uh, uh, we, but we had some great discussions in class. Uh, the faculty, though they were a little stern, were always pretty accessible, and uh, it's just a great educational experience. Uh, of course, Bloomington is such an idyllic community, and we thought we were solving the problems of the world, the uh, uh, great uh, sentiment against the Vietnam War, Watergate, all these major world issues. Uh, at the same time, we were talking about interesting things like contracts and um, uh, beneficiaries and interpreting statutes, and it was an exciting time. Uh, uh, now, Pat Bode has a very, uh, uh, well, actually, two professors who later appeared in front of me as lawyers, uh, uh, Tom Shornhorst and Pat Bode, but Pat Bode had a very uh, unique uh, experience, a series in front of me. He appeared as a plaintiff's lawyer once, a defense lawyer once, a plaintiff once, a defendant once, and also an expert witness. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to tell you, as a judge, I had a great observation point to be able to watch the lawyers try to outwit Pat Bode. Mm -hmm. That was a real challenge. And they, the lawyers lost, I can tell you. <laughs> but uh, Law school was just a really uh, energizing and uh, uh, eye-opening experience for me. It was a great time. Those are some great reflections, and those names are legendary. Those were, you know, uh, just some amazing faculty. Jeff, how about yourself? What, what stands out in your mind? Yeah, I, you sh I, I should tell you that we did not uh, share notes with each other beforehand. So I, I also listed uh, Pat Bode, Tom Shornhorse, and, and, and Roger Dworkin, as well as outstanding professors that really had an impact on me. But I, I was there, uh, I should say, um, well, as my dad would say, let me let my dad say it. He said, my son, Jeff, zipped through IU in 12 years. So I was there from 68 to 80. And so there was a lot going on, a huge uh, protest about the tuition being raised 68% in 1969. And the school was actually shut down uh, uh, by the students. And there were teach-ins and there were rallies and protests. And so that was a, a, a very... Uh, big introduction to the real world, uh, at least in Bloomington and IU for, um, for someone who at the time I was just, uh, I was 17 and then uh, 18 at that point, uh, 17 when I started school. And then shortly thereafter involved in the anti-war movement in a big way. And uh, uh, that's the Vietnam War for some of you, uh, just to remind you uh, what war it was. 
And um, you know, there's just a, a, a tremendous amount of um, activity in, in the human rights area. There are gay rights, there are women rights, there are civil rights, uh, a number of um, different uh, uh, activities uh, of, of where people are getting pulled on and engaged at the global level, the national level. And the right in Bloomington that you mentioned earlier, like the tenants uh, sort of standing up and uh, wanting to have uh, more protections and equal rights and a number of other projects and issues that were swirling around. I mean, again, it's too short of time to talk about what was going on in 12 years, but it was never boring and it was exciting. And I felt in many ways that I learned as much um, out of the classroom as I did in the classroom, working at the prosecutor's office, the probation office, being on the city council, but also getting a lot of mentoring from friends and professors and learning at the same time. It was just a, a magical time uh, for me to, uh, to be in school and to be surrounded by so many uh, smart, caring and supportive people. You know, it's interesting you mentioned about tuition. I, uh, when I started Dean here, we instituted flat frozen tuition uh, in the law school, so that although tuition may increase for new classes, once you come, it doesn't increase for yourself. So you know exactly what your tuition will be um, all three years. N nevertheless, I may edit out the part about shutting the school down, Jeff, just so we don't give the students of today any- That was a long time ago. <laughs> Fred, how about yourself? What, what stands out most for you? Well, you know, um, I think about some of the same names I, I think about Pat Bode and, and the challenge uh, there. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, all of my professors and what I, I'll tell you what I'll always be grateful to my law school professors for, that they were academically rigorous, but they also encouraged me to um, undertake a judicial clerkship. While I was, in, I, I did this while I was in law school part-time and I did it for a great old guy, a circuit uh, court judge named H. Wayne Baker in Bedford, Indiana. And very much with the, and I learned so much there while I was in law school. And then I was able to do some part-time work for Judge Baker. And that's such a wonderful experience to do something like that. And I was very much encouraged to do that. So, I mean, I believed in the, in the academic side of things but then I was also encouraged in this other opportunity, and I learned so much about the practical application of the law. And in a small town like Bedford, you, you saw all different kinds of things as clerk to the circuit court judge. You, you saw criminal cases and domestic matters, and um, you know Bobby Knight came down uh, on, on a traveling squad litigation when the Bloomington judges said, we can't handle this, and we handled it in Judge Baker's court. And we ruled against, uh, Judge Baker ruled against uh, Coach Knight, very much to the surprise of, of everybody. And, um, but, you know, I think that's, that's what I think about is those, those law professors encouraging me to take on challenges. And so I had the, the, the academic challenges and I'm, I'm so glad, you know, cause you don't really know, I would say to law students, you don't really know what you're gonna practice when you get out. I wouldn't have necessarily predicted that I would end up, you know, with the practice areas I, that I've had more on the corporate side and real estate and public entities. But so the academic rigor is important. But I also think that experience I had with, with Judge Baker at the same time, the, the two combined were very, very special experiences for me. We still find that, that those can be amazing experiences. In the first year, uh, you know, students are hitting the books, but by the time they get to the second semester of their yeah. second year and the third year, we really encourage students to take advantage of externships and, 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 and clinics and other opportunities to really kind of get their hands into what the practice of law might look like and, and working for a judge. Well, I, I think we'll talk about this later. John, I'm sure John will agree with this. Working for a judge can be a fabulous experience. Um, Absolutely. We've talked a little bit about, you know, uh, uh, already a little bit about community service and, and getting involved. But, um, you know, when I read the summaries of your bios, I'm just struck by how much all three of you you've done, how much you've given to your communities and the public, but in, in different and important ways. Um, I'd love to hear from each of you about if there's one thing that stood out most for you that you felt most meaningful and you felt like you've had your biggest impact. And um, as I say, I know that's gonna be different for each one of you because you've, you've made contributions in, in, uh, in public service in, in different ways, but Jeff, maybe, maybe I'd start with you on this one. 
Yeah, that's <clears throat> it's a really great question and a tough question because uh, uh, we're all in our 70s, so we've had a long time to wait a between. minute. I'm not. Oh, the thread is much younger. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> we're and one nearing 70, but we've been around a long time, and we've been doing. Um, we've had the opportunity to to do a number of uh, great things with great people. I, I guess the, one of the threads that runs through my life is I started doing volunteer work. Uh, in HIV and AIDS in New York City in 1983, when uh, literally people were dying left and right, and there was no cure, no cure in sight, no vaccines, uh, no treatment, really. It was just um, a horrific time to be involved, and I got very involved at the front end to educate uh, the gay community about uh, the, um, the risk involved in, in, in not uh, being careful about your uh, interactions uh, with other people. And, um, and that, that was really the beginning of a lifelong uh, campaign to, uh, uh, to fight AIDS. So when I went to work for Governor Bai for four years uh, from 89 to 93, that was part of my portfolio on the social service side. Department of Health had of course a huge role in, in, in AIDS education, but we did the social service component. So that continued and then right out of uh, that job, I went into, uh, I became the executive director of the Gay Men's Health Crisis in New York City, where virtually every single client was in some stage of dying. And uh, most of the, um, well, many of the volunteers, many of the staff were also living with HIV and AIDS. And so it was a very uh, difficult assignment. And only a few years later in the mid nineties did finally a treatment came out, uh, come out uh, uh, protease inhibitors that were able to effectively uh, treat people with AIDS, but by then tens of thousands of people had died. And actually, I mean, I should just do a quick digression here to say there's still 1.2 million people living with AIDS in the US and 36 million globally. So I then had an opportunity uh, when I was working at Burson Marcel, I was recruited uh, to um, start the first international giving program at the Abbott Fund. And the focus on that was uh, on HIV and AIDS. And so then I had this amazing experience on a global level to help people in Burkina Faso, Tanzania, uh, India, uh, Romania, and now you mentioned earlier in Kenya with the IU School of Medicine, Malawi, Haiti, other countries. And so I felt um, that, that that was an area where I actually uh, made a great impact. And, uh, but there's so much, there's so many people doing so much good work. So I was part of a larger effort, but uh, it was a meaningful part of my life. And I still do some work in that area, but uh, as a retiree, but uh, that, that to me was um, meaningful, inspiring, and, um, and very satisfying because I felt I was making a difference. Your work has been, been absolutely amazing on that level. And, and we're very proud of all you've done as an alum in that area. John, you've had an entire career dedicated to public service, right? You've been, in fact, I think every single job fits under the public service umbrella um, that you did, maybe except for that short period in private practice. Uh, can I ask you the same question? Where did you think you had left the most impact? Well, uh, first, let me take, digress just a little and say how much I respect and admire the work that both Jeff and Fred have done while employed in the private sector, uh, Jeff at Lilly and, and Abbott and, and so on. Uh, and Fred in the private practice, uh, and simultaneously, they also find a way to have some time devoted to public service over and above uh, their average workday, which is just great respect for. Uh, I've been very fortunate to have uh, various governmental jobs, public jobs, uh, where I've had younger lawyers uh, work with me uh, as a judge, law clerks in particular, uh, and it, it's given me the opportunity to mentor younger lawyers and uh, not just my law clerks, but younger lawyers in practice who would appear in front of me and so on. And uh, I've been active like Fred in the ends of court and various bar activities. And um, that mentoring has been, uh, I think, the most um, effective thing that I've done in terms of trying to leave something uh, that, that will go forward. Now I'm seeing these young lawyers that I worked with and, uh, and sort of coached through many years, become judges and law professors and uh, distinguished uh, practitioners. Uh, and it's been very exciting for me to do that, to, to sort of work with them at an early stage of their career. Um, and I always made it a 
point, having had the kind of experiences that Fred talked about uh, in law school, uh, uh, always uh, made the uh, availability for law students to do internships with me during the school semester over the summer. And uh, uh, it's been a great opportunity for them to see things and uh, experience day-to-day uh, -day, uh, work of a lawyer that really uh, gives them ideas. Now, sometimes it's a process of elimination. You can try something and find you don't like it but it also can open you up to uh, opportunities that uh, you never knew existed uh, uh, if you didn't come from a legal background or have experiences. Uh, so it's uh, a real a door opening experience for a lot of people. So that uh, opportunity to mentor students has been, um, I think the most uh, effective thing that I've been able to do in public service. Yeah, that makes sense. Mentoring is so important in what we do. Fred, I think this is an unfair question. Being the young whippersnapper of the three, you haven't had as much time to be able to make contributions. Right. Maybe no, I could. And of course, I'll never catch up with uh, John and Jeff. Um, you know, that's that's not. But, you know, I've, I've come to accept that over many years. Um, you know, I've been very blessed to uh, kind of take on a focus on education initiatives. Um, in, in, my, in my public service. And uh, I think the one that I would point to that, that probably I'm, I'm most proud of is that when I served on the Kansas Board of Regents, there was an effort in the Kansas legislature, uh, first in 2013 and then in 2015, to do away with uh, in-state tuition rates for the children of undocumented persons. And this, this is one area here where I think my legal background helped me to understand there's so much palaver about immigration issues out there that sometimes you lose sight of, of the real impact on people. And I felt very strongly that we should in Kansas retain in-state tuitions, uh, in-state tuition rates for the children of undocumented persons. And uh, in both 2013 and 2015, uh, I provided, I was the lead witness uh, in opposition to changing that law. And I'm pleased to say that we prevailed both times. And I'm even more pleased to say that, that Kansas still uh, in, in law, in state, children of undocumented persons who graduate from Kansas high schools are entitled as they should, they're residents here, uh, they should have in-state tuition rates um, at, the, at their Kansas higher education institution. And I'm pleased to say that, that we still have that. That's, the, that's, that's that one chance there where maybe my legal education really helped me understand that. I mean, there was a personal side that I also felt strongly about, but I also, I felt because of the legal background could cut through some of the windy things that people were saying and, and get right to the heart of it. And uh, so I'm, I'm really pleased about that. And I, I would say to anybody, um, you know, that it, it's great to practice law, but it's also great to put that into use in great volunteer service. Um, there's always a need. And I feel that I was blessed to be able to do some things that uh, I look back on that I, I was glad that I was able to do. You know, I think from when you started law school, all three of you, uh, compared now, we have, we have just a lot more opportunities in some ways for students to get involved. Uh, if we think on the public service side, we've got a rural justice initiative with the Indiana Supreme Court. We have uh, usually five live client clinics. We have six or seven pro bono projects. We have three practicums uh, ranging from helping incarcerated individuals to obtaining protective orders to assisting the LGBTQ plus community to uh, focused on Will's preparation. Uh, and it really runs the gamut. Um, you've all talked about you know, mentorship and the importance of education and, and making a big difference in, in Jeff, in, in, your, in your context and HIV and AIDS. Um, how should students be thinking about these opportunities and how, how should they be thinking of public service? And Jeff, maybe I'll stick with you on this one to, to start us off. Uh, is there a particular way that students should be thinking about public service and public interest work while they're in law school or after they've graduated? Yeah, I, I think it's something that you um, should consider. Uh, uh, you know, what, what's your passion? You know, what, what, uh, what makes you want to get up in the morning and, and go to work? And I realize that some people uh, 
are in a situation as I was that I needed to get a job to help pay off my school loans and, um, and certainly uh, get off to a good start um, in my career. But uh, you, I think you have to be open to uh, different opportunities that come your way. And so, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, I, I, I came back to Indiana uh, to work for Governor Bai. I took a, a significant pay increase, but uh, a pay decrease, a, a pay cut, a pay cut. And uh, certainly, um, uh, but how could you ever imagine uh, someone um, at, at my relatively young age at that point getting an opportunity to run first a 900 person agency, the Department of Human Services and a 13,000 person agency. I mean, the experience uh, in, in that, not only giving, contributing, making a difference, but also learning. It was like being in school at the same time. Uh, I think you have to look carefully when those things come your way and not just uh, pull out your calculator. Uh, in a similar vein, uh, when I went to the Abbott Fund, initially, I took another pay cut. And, um, but again, what kind of uh, opportunity comes your way to start the first international giving program for a, a major uh, corporate foundation and, and really start with a blank uh, uh, slate? I mean, there's very few opportunities, I think um, we can all acknowledge where you can create something from whole cloth in your lifetime. And uh, this was another opportunity to do that. And so I, I, I jumped at that opportunity. So I would say to <clears throat> young people, to, um, to be open to these opportunities that come your way, but also to develop as, as Fred and John have, well, John of course lives public service, but as Fred has created uh, a, a opportunities and, and followed them is, is to pursue them in addition to your private sector job, for example. Uh, and, and find ways that you might um, uh, continue to do that working, or you may in fact go down another path. But one thing I would caution, um, there's, there's a tendency sometimes for people to be joiners and they like to join everything. And, and, um, and that can result in not very high quality work. It can result in burnout and uh, it, it, it also result in you just dropping out completely. So I would say to people who are especially working full-time, not in their, let's say, uh, uh, social service arena uh, to pace themselves and to also um, uh, be careful about uh, what commitments you make um, and, and do it. Uh, it's really the quality of the work that matters, uh, not the amount of boards you're, you're on or the amount of hours you're putting in. And then finally, uh, I think there's also a tendency for some folks, uh, once they get on boards, uh, to never leave. And uh, this is a uh, I think real leadership is not how long you've served on a board, uh, but what you've done to help develop the next generation of leaders. And so there's also an obligation, I think, both in the private sector, public and not-for-profit sector, to always be mindful of how can we develop the next generation of leaders. I think that's, I think that's fabulous advice, this idea of going with your heart. At, uh, you know, quality over quantity and paying it forward. I, I, I think those are great things for our students to remember. For, Fred, you, you just talked about how your career really helped you make a difference in, in, in the state. And uh, what would your advice be for students about thinking about public service and, and public interest work, both in law school or after they graduate? What, 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 what would you leave them with? I would, I would, my advice to them would be to start now not first year students, uh, because you've got other, a lot of things on your mind. But starting that second year and third year, I think it's wise to start. And I would also advise students to challenge themselves a bit. Maybe they will uh, get involved in, in some sort of public interest project that may spur other interests. And so I think now's the time for them to challenge themselves a bit. And there are, you know, that's the thing that you alluded to um, that, you know, there, there are a lot of opportunities through law school now in the public arena, the public interest arena that maybe didn't exist, you know, in our day uh, so many years ago. And I just think I, I would say to law students, stretch yourself a little bit. You know, when I took that clerkship with that judge and in Bedford, Indiana, I, I really wasn't sure what was going to happen. But what ended up happening was that I had a life-changing experience. And, uh, you know, I challenged myself to go and do that. 
And I'm so glad I did. And I think, I think there's other opportunities like that where students, and it can really enrich their law school experience by doing that even while they're there. And I think it will lead then to making those choices later. And, you know, all three of, you know, Jeff and John and I were blessed to be able to be in that position that, to make some choices that, that I think really uh, were great for us and that I, I feel that law school helped, helped prepare me to do. Yeah, I think that's good advice too. I, I, I emphasize that with my students as well. Uh, you know, even if you want to become a corporate transactional attorney in the largest firm on Wall Street, you know, uh, the types of experience, the client interactions that you get doing public interest work in law school are unparalleled. And, uh, you know, and they're unlikely to be replicated early on in your career. I, I know students who've argued their first cases in court as a law student, and then they didn't get to do it out in practice until several years later um, because uh, they were able to help somebody right there and then. Uh, John, you, you know, you were talking about the hundreds of people you've mentored over your career. What, as you're doing that mentoring, what advice do you give uh, about public interest work and community service? Well, one is an observation, and that is that as lawyers, uh, legally trained people, we have been given uh, insights and uh, uh, ways of an analyzing things and uh, perspectives and uh, access that the average person doesn't get. And that creates an obligation, a debt on our part. Uh, the privileges that we have as lawyers and legally trained people uh, means that we we owe back. We need to reach back with a hand and help people forward. And you should look for opportunities to do that whenever you can, because it pays pays back your obligation and it uh, creates a lot of other opportunities. The other advice I give is very pragmatic and it relates to debt as well. And that is manage your debt, manage your lifestyle, learn to live with less so that when these opportunities come along, you can take them. When, when the chance to be um, uh, chief trial deputy came along. I was making a pretty good living and uh, the pay for a uh, prosecutor's office was, was really a small fraction, but I was in a position where I could do that because I had um, gotten my debt load managed pretty well and was able to do things uh, in an office of about uh, 200 lawyers that I never would have done in private practice. Uh, and so make sure you're well positioned, that your finances are organized so that when these opportunities come along, you can do it for six months or a year or three years, something like that. So those are two advices I give. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. You know, the other thing that we talked to students a little bit about is how varied a person's career can be. And this, this is both in the way they, they serve the community, but also in their, their practice itself. John, you just mentioned this as sort of the opportunities coming up. You've done well, you've done a lot. Uh, as I said in, in the introduction, private practice, public defender, prosecutor, judge. Um, did you predict you were going to do all that when you were a law student? And, and, uh, and, and what prepared uh, you best for those jobs? <laughs> and I've heard it said that the only straight line in a legal career is when you look backwards and you can see that this led to that and this led to that and so on. As you look forward, you have no idea. In my mind's eye, sitting in law school, it didn't even pass through that I might become a federal judge or a U.S. attorney. These were, these were well beyond anything I could have imagined. But what I tried to do was each job that I got, um, I tried to do as good a job as I could with that particular job. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, another opportunity would come along. And sometimes it was an opportunity that a door closed, something I wanted to do, I couldn't do. And it turned out there was something else to do that was even better. So uh, there was no plan going forward, but I always felt that whatever I was doing at that moment was really important, really um, uh, eye-opening for me. I wanted to be in the in the court system. I wanted to be in the courtroom, and having get it, gotten a little taste of the federal court system, I decided that's where I wanted to be, and it, it eventually worked out. But there was no there was no clear path ahead of me. It only looks clear from behind. Fred, as you look in your rearview mirror, how straight is your line, or, or how, how, what were you? Did you know you were going to do what you're going to do when you were in law school? No, I didn't, and I, I you know, I thought I was going to uh, head into trial work, and I did some of that, but I found that that my gifts were elsewhere, and I think what I would advise students would be. Um, be sure to focus on all academic areas. I know that's hard to do, um, but you never know uh, where 
where you might find your, your place. I think that the IU School of Law did a great job preparing me. And uh, I think that by focusing on all areas, you also open up your own opportunities and you maybe have more of an open mind about what might happen because it's not a straight line. Um, and there are, I think in some respects, more, there are more options now uh, for students. And so I think they should not assume, you know, I'm gonna be a business lawyer. Well, you know what, that, that may be, but something could also happen down the road and uh, that's not the direction that you end up taking. I think if you had asked us in law school what John and Jeff and I were gonna do, we probably would have said something different than what we've actually ended up doing, which is, which is interesting, but I think also that the law school did a great, I feel that it did a great job um, preparing, preparing me, but I think the advice I would give would be focus on all academic areas, don't make too many assumptions and be willing to be willing to challenge yourself uh, because you just never know what might happen down the road. Yeah, these are the big discussions in legal education, right? You wanna make sure that you give students real skills as they start their careers, but you're also trying to create that broad liberal arts legal foundation that's gonna last a lifetime. Jeff, uh, how about yourself? I, your career, I, I assuming you agree uh, as you look in the rearview mirror about sort of the opportunities that came your way. Yeah, it certainly wasn't a straight line. And uh, I, I would say, uh, like John and Fred, I feel very blessed with the career I've had. I think uh, one of the things that's important is whatever job you're doing, just do it well. Really stay focused and, and make sure you're the best at, at what you're doing, the best clerk, the best first year person in the firm. Uh, and I, I, I think sometimes people are always looking over someone's shoulder, looking for the, the grass is greener. What am I going to do next? And it sometimes can diminish uh, the quality of their work uh, with what they're currently doing. And so, um, and those opportunities will come your way. And then you have to assess whether or not it's a good fit for you and whether to move forward uh, with those opportunities. And as John rightly said, uh, and we both have experience, you know, taking a pay cut to get that experience, thinking ahead of what might or might not uh, evolve from those experiences. But I, I feel, uh, you know, I didn't practice law, but my legal training has certainly helped me many, many times over uh, in, in my leadership positions. And so I'm very grateful for, for those experiences. And uh, I, I, I call on them all the time, including when I'm uh, dealing uh, with uh, lawyers uh, sometimes uh, uh, in, in going, uh, I wouldn't say toe to toe, but having discussions about certain uh, contracts that, that dealt with our uh, foundation. And uh, some of you folks may know, but a lot of universities take a huge cut uh, when you give a, let's say I'll pick on Harvard. So you give Harvard a million dollars, they want $500,000 to go into their uh, basically foundation, uh, undesignated. So, so what you're actually giving to the program then is $500,000. So uh, when I was dealing with um, attorneys um, from different universities uh, uh, on the, the various programs that were under their umbrella, including Ampath at IU, uh, the discussion was, well, uh, you're not, uh, we, we need this money to pay for admin. I said, well, do you know what our grant is for? And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, we're paying a lot of admin. We're paying for people not only in the, in the home office here in the US, but we're also paying for the home offices, let's say in Malawi and Kenya and Tanzania, uh, Romania, other, uh, other countries where we were located. And when I went through this uh, point by point with them, and I said, so uh, I'm open to paying some admin if you can tell me what I'm not covering in the grant that we're giving. And they said, you know, you don't have to pay any admin at all. And so we were able to get complete our complete grant uh, to these various programs connected with universities, 100% to the programs and no admin taken out. And I mean, that's just one brief example. Uh, and certainly I think having a law degree as well, uh, even if you're not in practice, and people know you have a law degree, um, there's a certain kind of um, uh, respect that you're given uh, when you're uh, negotiating, no matter what the topic is, whether it's housing, social services, uh, food stamps, healthcare, whatever, um, you, you have an opportunity, I think, to, uh, 
uh, to make your best case, whether you're in a full-fledged lawyer or not. So I encourage people who at some point decide, well, maybe uh, as John referenced earlier, that, uh, that learning through these internships at law may not be something that they want to do. It doesn't mean that the law won't, uh, that your legal training won't uh, over and over serve you well in, in a roles that you might take outside of formal legal practice. Jeff, it sounds like you were channeling a little Pat Bode there when you were winning, uh, winning that argument. You know, when you mentioned the philanthropy, it, it, you know, it, it strikes me, you've, the three of you have created an incredibly generous scholarship that supports students. Um, maybe we could sort of end with talking about what that scholarship does and, and why you created it and what your vision was. So, Frank, could I jump to you on this one? Sure. Well, you know, we the three of us talked and uh, we felt like uh, our experience at the law school had encouraged us to engage in some form of public service. And Anybody who's listened to this podcast can tell that public service, there's a, a number of different ways to do that. But we've, we felt blessed that we've been kind of encouraged to do that through our legal education. And we thought it would be most appropriate to establish a, a scholarship at the law school that would encourage other students um, to get a start, to start thinking about it. And it doesn't matter whether you might be, want to be a judge someday or be in government, work for a not-for-profit, or maybe as a lawyer. You know, I always think about Justice Holmes, who said that it was our duty to, as he put it, live greatly in the law. And what he meant by that was not just that it's more than just serving your client. It's also serving a greater public good. And I think to one extent or another, that's guided us, that sort of thinking. And so we just thought, you know what, we'd like to establish a fund and encourage other students maybe to think the same way and have the kinds of experiences that, that we did. And um, hopefully that's the way it will, will work out. But that was the way I think we saw it. Well, we're grateful for that vision. Uh, John and Jeff, anything to add? Well, I think Fred uh, nailed it, and that was our goal. And uh, so we've been getting letters back from students who've gotten these scholarships uh, over the years, and uh, they've been very moving and very inspirational to us to see the things that they have done while they're still in law school and what they look forward to doing going forward. So I think we're we're lighting the lights, and and um, and it's a good thing. So thanks, Fred. Yeah, Fred, you did a great job articulating that, and. And I think uh, giving has been a huge part of our lives and has really um, made us uh, feel like we're, we're making a difference. And these letters from these, these, uh, these uh, students have, have been inspiring. Well, that's good to hear. I, I like to say that we've got the best law students in the world and I'll fight anybody about that. So it's, it's nice to hear that that's uh, showing, showing up in the letters. Well, we're coming to the end of the, the podcast. We've given a lot of advice to students and graduates. But if there was one little thing that we'd, we'd overlooked or something that you wanted to emphasize to people as they're just starting to career, what, what, would, that, what would that be? And, uh, uh, and I forget who was going to uh, pitch at this one, but uh, Fred, I think maybe it was you that was going to start off. Right. Well, I would just say again, be guided by what Justice Holmes said, to live greatly in the law. Uh, I think that's, that's the challenge because there, there could be a tendency to just get bogged down and filling out timesheets and worrying about billing or whatever it is, that's if you're in private practice, but carve out some way where you are gonna help others with the legal education that you've gotten. Um, be a lawyer for a greater good. Be a good lawyer, but also be a lawyer for a greater good. I guess I'll, I'll jump in and I, I would say to someone uh, thinking about law school or in law school, is to, to use your time there learning how to learn. And if, because whatever area you go into, there could be a sea change uh, in a year or five years or 10 years, and you may have to reinvent yourself over and over again, which I think we've all done in our careers. So learn how to learn. And if you come away from law school, 
then you start learning about being a lawyer or learning how to be an executive or learning how to do what you do. The learning never stops even when you retire. So enjoy learning and learn how to do it. Thanks, John. Jeff, last words to you. Yeah, I would just say uh, uh, whatever you choose to do, do it well, uh, be focused, be prepared, be connected uh, emotionally uh, uh, with, with your work, uh, be humble. That includes asking for help when you need it and being grateful. And speaking of being grateful for being able to uh, do the work I've done and, and share uh, uh, what, uh, you know, the, the incredible work that, um, that John and, and Fred have done over the years to share in their experiences. I'm extremely grateful for uh, John and Fred's friendship. And it is a rich- You're here. Yeah, it's enriched my life in so many ways. And uh, so thank you, Fred and John, uh, for being lifelong friends and supporters and cheerleaders and, and, uh, and also uh, Austin for doing this. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank talking you. About, talking thank about you. being grateful, I'm incredibly grateful that I was able to harangue the three of you, three of our most distinguished alums, to spend an hour with me on one more call call. So thanks for joining us. Um, I, thanks for uh, trailblazing and setting the path for for so many others uh, over the years. And, and thank you for all you do for the school. Um, this has been one more call call. Uh, we'll catch you on the next time on the podcast. And thanks to our listeners for joining us too. Don't forget to follow us on social media at both at Austin Parish and at IU Mauer Law on Twitter and Facebook. And we hope you make plans to come back to Bloomington soon. Each year, over a thousand alumni come back to campus judging moot court, or mock trial, serving as mentors, or helping our students in other ways. We hope you will too, and when you do, please reach out. Until the next time, this is One More Cold Call, an IU Mauer School of Law alumni podcast.